Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 36 of the Hardly Millennial Podcast, where we are young, dumb, and full of opinions. Opinions, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it here first, or more so for the 36th time. <laughs> we appreciate you for that. So uh, my name, as always, is Adam, and across from me, I have Vincent Nasalhuts once again. Yes, he was back. <laughs> back again yeah it's me <laughs> oh good to have you back oh man. thank you thank you for having me man thanks for coming on again so uh last time we had you on we didn't really have a specific topic per se we were i think we were just kind of going with the flow the last time we had you on yeah we were sort of just shooting in the dark with yeah. uh with topics there we we had had you know a couple of of topics that we ended up going with but ultimately i think it was kind of set on shuffle so, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's kind of what ended up happening. But today, you had a topic that I you did. wanted to discuss. I did, I did, what? and I do. Why don't you tell us about oh, it? Oh, okay. So for those of you who don't know, or for those of you who are listening for the first time and don't know myself very well, um, I am a huge, 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 huge proponent of the sci-fi universe. I'm talking <laughs> all aspects of it. Um, science fiction equals happy face me. So yeah, that simple. Hell yeah, dude. So where do you want to start this conversation? Well, um, I got to start it where I think everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people probably started where personally I'd feel the most comfortable starting it. Mm-hmm. Star Wars. Okay. For a lot of people, I feel like that's Star Wars. That's, that's sort of their gateway drug. And into, you, are a, you are a mighty fine, uh, big fan of Star Wars, aren't you? Vince? Oh, you uh, you know it. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just, let's just start with, uh, give us your just like... Just an overview of how Vince feels about Star Wars as a whole. As the state of Star Wars is right now, um, I don't think it could honestly get any better than it is. And I know I'm, I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack from that and a lot of hate. But guess what? It's my opinion. Remember when we <laughs> said that at the beginning of the podcast? That's right. So check me out here. I, I honestly think that Lucas handing over the rights to Disney was probably the best thing for the series. That's the best way it could have went. Okay. Um, the reason being is because... Lucas, um, as we, we've talked about before, he, he sort of got into pandering after the uh, the first episodes, the uh, the prequels, as they were the, you know, uh, Revenge or uh, Phantom Menace, uh, Attack of the Clones, and then uh, Revenge, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Um, so realistically, where this is going now is the, the main arc, at least, is the continuation of the story originally told way back in uh, 1979, 1978, whenever it happened. Uh, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Um, so far the extended universe that Disney has created, they, they've been sitting on plans on what to do with Star Wars for a very long time. I right. mean, back when they were making, uh, Return of the Jedi, they were already working together. Um, that's why there were Ewoks, you know, Disney right. marketing and all that fun stuff. Um, need a little bit of water, I'm already starting to get dry. Goodness. All right. <laughs> so, um... So yeah, uh, so Disney, since they did uh, Return of the Jedi, they've been sitting on plans for Star Wars for decades until they finally got the opportunity. Okay. So when you have uh, a corporation with that much money expendable, you know they're just they have a team, uh, buildings of writers that have been working on this story, testing certain aspects of the story, I guess, to uh, to target audiences, seeing what sticks. They're they're formulaic. With, with how these Star Wars or uh, Star Wars movies are being uh, filmed and compiled. Right. Um, that being said, I like 
most of the main arc. Um, I, I didn't mind Seven, even though it was... I'm sure you saw Episode Seven. Yeah. It was it was a New Hope rehash, basically. Yes, that's that's the biggest issue <laughs> I have with Seven, is I watched it and I was like, oh, it's a New Hope. Okay. I, I got tired of all the throwbacks after about 30 minutes, uh, yeah, to be totally honest. It just... Like I said, it was just too much of fan service. You know, if you're, first of all, I don't think they should have continued on with this, that particular Star Wars saga at all. I think that that was Lucas from episode one to episode six. It was, it is what it is. Leave it. Now, I know for a fact that Ryan Johnson, the gentleman who directed and wrote The Last the last Jedi was that the most recent one. Yeah. The last Jedi yeah. that came out, they asked him to do a separate trilogy that he's writing and directing. Takes place in the Star Wars universe, but it's a different saga now. Good. It's a different story. Good. Yeah. Well, but that's what I think they should have done with it in the first place. I don't think there was a need to go back and make a seven, eight, and nine. No, I I, I kind of realized why they had to do that was because uh, they did sort of leave the universe of uh, one through six sort of open ended. How um, so? Dude, with the uh, defeat of the Galactic Empire on Endor after that, you know, you, you don't get to see the story until episode seven comes out of what happened, what what became of that. You, you had the First Order, you had a lot that happened after yeah. the Battle of Yavin, man. I mean, but yeah, but you, you can take any story that ends and continue on with it if you really wanted to. But what makes a story end is when most of the, mo, mo, when there's... What's the word I'm looking for? Closure. Closure. Yeah. To but a lot of the I don't feel like there was much closure given. But I feel the like there was there was Return closure. But I feel like there was closure where it needed to be. So you had closure with Darth Vader. You had the uh, Emperor that was dead now, and you got to see how that turned out. You know, uh, fucking Han and Leia found sweet love with each other. So you had that close up. Everything was right in the universe, as far as we knew. Is uh-huh. you could have ended it there. There didn't <laughs> need to be a seven, eight, and nine. Like, of course, oh, no, life's gonna go on afterwards. And see, that's but... where that's where you and I differ because I want to know what. Uh, I want to know what happened after. And we're getting to find out now. So uh, that's not the main reason why I think Disney went this this route. Most of the reason I think has to do with the marketing. They would have to write up completely new characters to market, which I guess they did. In a specific sense, but you who who's your top more uh, top Star Wars marketable toys? You got Luke, uh, Han, Chewie, R two D two, C three PO, and of course Darth Vader and or Boba Fett. That's seven. Right. Sorry, I gave a lot of examples more than I pre prescribed. <laughs> I apologize for all you <laughs> listeners at home. Uh, <laughs> so, what happens is you still have these marketable characters. You you still have characters within a, a story arc who are still alive and are still making uh, grand decisions. Uh-huh. So even if you tried not. To, to follow that story arc, chances are you're going to have to reference it at some point. So instead, that is what I feel like 8 was, was closure. It was uh, uh, 7 was closure for Han's story, 8 was closure for Luke's story, and Leia's story at the same time. Um, so 8, really, it's anyone's guess. It, it could be closure for well, the entire story now. I was going to say, well, I think 9 was meant to be the closure for Leia's story, but since you know her you know, death, they're yeah. not going to be able to do that now. Yeah. But... I, I mean, I, I hope it's a closure for that Star Wars story. I would hate for them to also be like, hey, guess what? We're going to do number 10. <laughs> like, because yeah. I'm just, I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm down for the universe. I just think that 
you you ha- when stories are done, you should let them be done and like move on to something else. So like for example, you were saying that you wanted to know what happened as far as like what happened to the galaxy, you know, and the the government of the galaxy basically, and how that went absolutely like, all yes. tra- transpired yeah. after the movies, right? Well, I would have been okay seeing that. But just not as a continuation of the story. Like, let's say they made a new trilogy with new characters and it takes place, you know, 50 to 100 years after the event, the last events of the sixth movie. Right. Mm, okay. All it takes place in the same universe. You still get to see what happened. But we're done with Luke's story. From, and from an entirely story. different perspective. In yeah, general. exactly. But, see, that's what I feel like happened with these most recent movies. You got to see different angles of the Star Wars universe that you never got to see before well, from different perspectives. Well, too. maybe, but it was still a continuation of like Luke and Han and Leia's story, which that is what I think needed to just end. I would have even been OK if it was like, you know, you 50 to 100 years, you still had the Ray and Finn characters and they came across the the Millennium Falcon. All right, cool. Cool little throwback. But it doesn't need to be about Luke. It didn't need to be about Han Solo. You know, I just... And so much of it was just rehash of what's already been done. I mean, Kylo Ren is just the angsty teenager. You're just getting back Anakin Skywalker from the Uh, 1, 2, and 3. You know... Just in a different fucking skin. The grandson thing is is for real. They usually turn out like their their grandfathers more. That that, that sort of shit, like, skips a generation in Uh. sci-fi, it seems like. Um, (laughs) I guess it's a good tragic tale. But with Kylo Ren, I... uh, I have mixed emotions when it comes to Kylo Ren. Um, he's not a Sith Lord. Um, he is of the Knights of Ren, which I guess are Sith followers, but he's he's not a Darth. And that's where some people are like, Darth Ren. No, that's not. No, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, sweetie. That's not a thing. <laughs> so there's the complete lack or a seeming lack of the Sith dynamic of two, which I think that this new Disney Star Wars is starting to shy away from. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way the Sith were kind of set up before in the previous movies, I think there's going to be a major shift in that. Um, but one of my, one of my favorite arguments that I like to have is when people, uh, shit all over, um, uh, Ray being that force sensitive that quickly, you, you right. know what the title of the first of the new trilogy is called the force awakens. That's yeah. right. So guess what? Uh, okay. I don't know if most people know or remember, uh, Luke Skywalker, I think trained for a grand total of maybe what, like four months, a couple weeks with Yoda and then went off around the universe and, read some old books and suddenly became Mr. Hot Shit and took out Darth Vader. Right. So it compounds. Anakin Skywalker, his whole life. Luke Skywalker, a couple of weeks. Ray, five minutes or maybe <laughs> like six days in the uh, the the arc that they went. So right. I'm okay with that because of that reason. That, that's exactly the point they're trying to prove is that there's been a major shift in the Force and this is what it's doing to the universe around it. See, I think that's a... F- See, the reason why... It bob the movies still bother me is because I think what you're saying is a very fun way to interpret it. Yeah, but I also don't think that's actually what Disney had in mind when they were writing you, and coming up with these stories. What do you think? Well, I I think it's just much more Hollywood. You know, I think it it becomes very predictable. I mean, I felt the same way when I watched The Force Awakens. Even before oh. I saw the movie The Force Awakens, yeah. I knew Solo was dying. Like I I knew that was happening. Um, I knew in Last Jedi that Luke was dying. Yeah. And after seeing the formula for Force Awakens, I knew the Last Jedi, although I was happy to see differences, it was still a, a lot of rehash of The Empire Strikes Back. You, you knew Luke Skywalker was going to die. You just didn't know when or how. Right. So. so because of that formula, though, 
I don't think they're going to do something in the ninth movie where it's where it's going to go on explaining like here's what the force is doing and this is why I think they're just going to turn Ray into some Jesus figure that's going to I don't know. It just I just don't think it's they're that smart with how they're not that independent with how they make movies. Disney has no, never been. They've always been very formulaic. You are right. And this is why I have a lot of hope for the ninth movie is just that. Would you say you have a new hope? I'd say I have a burning hope that burns in my chest for this ninth movie. I feel like Disney, you're right. As far as it comes to independently writing new things, Uh that's not their forte. They find what works and they rehash the old shit and they put a fancy new spin on it with the bitchin' soundtrack. And next thing you know, it's on toy shelves everywhere. Yes. Um, And they're going to do the same thing with this series. Only they're going to do what um, George Lucas only dreamt of doing with one through three. And that is? This is the Phantom Phantom Menace. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> There's a Jar Jar in our midst. And oh I have a feeling this I have a feeling this third movie is going to blow up. It, it, I feel like it'll do exactly what you said. It will close loose ends. I really do. I think Disney's going for the hat trick because I was thinking about this while, while you were you were talking about how you wish that Disney had gone um, a new direction from a new perspective instead of rehashing the old stuff. I think they're trying to do both at the same time. And if I'm right, they're going to throw in another line right there that's going to try. Uh, they may fail. They may fall on their face. Uh-huh. But they are going to try to connect all of the rest of the movies. Oh, I have no doubt that they're going to try to connect all of the movies. I just think they're going to fail miserably at it. Well, I think people are going to, I think actually the exact opposite. I think anybody who's a Star Wars fan, regardless if you've liked the newer movies or not, we're all going to go fucking see it. But I think whereas I, my impression is that what you think is you're going to see shit blow online and people are going to be like, Oh my gosh! Like I've ne- like Star Wars just nailed it. They did great. Like yeah. and that was gonna be the general consensus, right? I just believe the opposite. It's gonna be that was a shit show. Like really, that's how they decided to end Star Wars. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of fans already feel. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the rekindling of this this new series, plus a lot of the standalone movies that they're doing, which. I watched the Han Solo movie the other day. I haven't seen it yet. Reluctantly. I, I'm not a huge fan of Han Solo as a character, uh, especially in the old trilogy, but let me tell you what, this might be heresy to some people's ears, but I really like the new Han Solo movie. I liked it a lot. You are literally, so I'll reiterate, I haven't seen it yet, but you are literally the only person I know who has, who has genuinely liked it. Yeah, I, I did. Um, I mean, sure, there were a couple of, Really uh, quick, there's probably going to be spoilers in this episode, guys. So just oh, fucking yeah, I deal. About okay, alerts. it's they've it's been on out. Netflix. They've been out long no. enough now. No excuse. You've okay. got no excuse. So, so okay. So here's the skinny on the solo movie. It starts off with the, the basically it is the story of how Han Solo got to the famed Kessel Run, and as he referred to it, I believe in uh, New Hope as under twelve parsecs, which we find out in the Han Solo movie was just shy of which Chewie reminds him of. Uh-huh. And he's like, well, not if you round down. So over the years, Han Solo has been, you know, taking parsecs off that original measurement. Oh, gotcha. You know, like a, a space <laughs> pirate and a, a, a scruffy looking nerf herder does. So they go back to the story and it's him and the, the girl, the actress who plays Daenerys Targaryen in the Game of Thrones series is his Corellian lover. Right. And they're stealing the last bit of coaxium, which is uh, the stuff that makes hyperspace uh, travel possible. Um, it's, it's like currency in the empire. It's, it's their ticket off of Corellia, which is supposed right. to be portrayed as this big shithole. Okay. Um, 
one beef actually this reminds me one beef i had with the movie was them introducing tech that i think could have been really useful throughout the rest of the series that they had in this movie that they didn't have because this is supposed to be based in the past right as far as i i, I think like uh, 15 or 20 years before the battle of yavin so that's like 20 or 30 bbe uh, or BBY, sorry. Um, that's like unit of that. It's like 80 year BC in Star Wars universe. <laughs> right. and for those who know, <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm going I'm going hella deep with this. So um, so it's it starts there and then it moves to Han Solo out of desperation, uh, joining the Galactic Empire, uh, trying to be a pilot, ends up just a ground grunt, uh, getting his dick shot at by uh-huh. uh, God knows what race on what planet. Um, so eventually he meets Woody Harrelson, who, uh, is seemingly an officer in this, uh, galactic imperial company that he's fighting with. Right. Um, so Woody Harrelson, after making a few slick moves, you know, ends up saving Han Solo's life and they, they end up, uh, finally getting to a different part of the battlefield where shit sort of calmed down a little bit. And, uh, they, <laughs> you find out that Woody Harrelson's not who he seems because in his armor, he's got a laser blast. Uh-huh. Turns out, uh, he's a smuggler and a thief and he's trying to steal an Imperial aircraft. Oh shit. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Han Solo tries to leverage him into joining him. And instead of, uh, uh, the, the, uh, Woody Harrelson, yeah. Uh, Woody Harrelson, instead of, you know, all right, I'll take you on kid, tells the Imperial guards around him who don't seem to notice he's an imposter, says, this kid's tried uh, trying to be a deserter. Throw him in the the pit when or, or punish him and don't believe a word he says. Basically, uh-huh. so he gets yoked up by uh, a, a, a smuggler and thrown in a pit with this savage monster who you find out is Chewbacca, uh, none other than. Man. So that's when you find out how Han Solo can speak uh, to Wookies, how he can speak their 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 language. I, I forget what it is off the top of my head, but. Um, he communicates, and they they ha- devise a, a little improvised escape plan. They both end up getting out of there. Um, they run to the the launch pad where Woody Harrelson's taken off the stolen craft, and that's when he has the change of heart, drops down, and picks him up for a big job they're about to do. Right. From there, evolves into the Kessel Run, goes into um, that whole story. You meet Lando Calrissian. Now, from what I understand, one of the biggest points of contention that Star Wars fans had with the Han Solo movie was what some have referred to as the SJW robot, which was um, Lando Calrissian's uh, co-pilot for the, for the, for the, eh, sorry, for the Millennium Falcon. Okay. It, it, the only thing but it what wanted. What made him SJW? So in the scene where they're introduced, there's a robot battle happening in the seedy environment, kind of like a bar on Tatooine, but on a completely different planet. Okay. Um, Lando Calrissian, Calrissian sitting at the Sabacc table, which is like a, a Star Wars card game. Uh-huh that they play uh, kind of similar to like poker or uno or what have you, but uh, <laughs> two completely different games. Um, it's a combination of both <laughs> fun combination of both. And there's gambling involved. Um, so they sit down at the, the table uh, because Han Solo or Han Solo um, Lando Calrissian has a ship that is one of the few ships that could possibly do this, uh, what they're suggesting doing, which uh, Kessel is a planet where they mine raw coaxium for use by the empire so this is an imperial mine they're about to go steal a shitload of this stuff from right this is like the big score this is the kessel run we're talking about now so Uh calrissian has um the fastest ship in in the known universe the millennium falcon and han solo tries to beat him at sabacc to win it um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spoil too much um well actually i will because it's like right there in the scene lando calrissian cheats (laughs) (laughs) of course um han solo he immediately catches on but he's not going to bark you know accusations out at the table he's going to do all this shit talking at the bar right um so one thing leads to another and they end up taking uh, 
you you end up seeing this scene where there's a robot pounding on the cage uh, where the robots were fighting, screaming at them to stop, stop this. You're both sentient beings. Uh We shouldn't be doing this to each other. Rise up. And it's doing this throughout the whole movie, just liberating robots from their slavery, uh, removing their restrictor chips. And like free the others. That, that was supposed to be the SJW. Robot. I was gonna say that doesn't that doesn't sound SJW to me at all. That, that was just, what got the most shit. Was that robot? That just sounds like funny to me. It, it was. <laughs> it was hilarious. And it, it ended up being integral to the plot point because um, they're trying to get through uh, this galactic miasma. Uh, I forget what it's called. Um, not the maw. The maw was at the end. It was like a giant gravity well with this like eldritch Catulian monster dude it was fucking sick it was so cool so how did you feel about them bringing uh major spoiler darth maul back at the end i knew that was coming well I, I, i'm i'm familiar okay okay I, I knew you knew it was coming but just in general how do you feel about them bringing darth maul back good um really? yeah yeah um instead of having to create a new villain that they don't know how it was going to be received they pulled a boba fett they took a, a character who had a minor part who only had a few memorable lines and they're now making him a pivotal player. Oh, I just, I hate it when movies and TV shows do that, where they bring back supposedly oh, the man. dad. The the dark place that, uh, what what was it? It was um, the Clone Clone Wars, Star Wars Clone Wars. The show? The show. Went to some dark, dark places, boy, involving Darth Maul in a lot of cases. I never watched it. So... For those of you who don't know, spoiler alerts, I'm doing this. Um, Darth Maul, as we remember at the end of uh, uh, Phantom Menace. Sorry, I had a brain fart there. <laughs> at the end of Phantom Menace was cut in half by none other, uh, other than Obi-Wan Kenobi and allegedly uh, appeared to fall to his death at the bottom of this giant pit. Well, he didn't because he's uh-huh. a Dathomirian Zabrak and apparently they're built for tough because his upper half crawled the fuck out of the pit and managed to survive in a junkyard living off of, like, scraps and nasty shit for uh, uh, a few years to come. Interesting. Um, so eventually he was able to kind of cobble together some animatronic legs. And uh, when you find him, uh, his brother, who... Uh, oh, it's, uh, I don't remember the name of the brother, and I don't want to... I don't want to... I don't want to say the wrong thing because I don't want to sound stupid, but I suppose I sound pretty stupid. <laughs> you got this, yeah, man. I, I believe I'm pretty you. sure it was Bane. I want to say it was Bane. No, no, it's Darth Bane I'm thinking of. Uh, Savage. It was Savage and Maul. That's right. So Savage looks a lot like Maul, except much more stockier in the shoulders, and he's yellow. Okay. Um, <laughs> he's yellow. So he goes and eventually finds Darth Maul. Um, Darth Maul is half crazed out of his mind. You know, he's half the man he used to be. Um, so... He eventually, they, they join forces because, you know, what does Darth Maul want? He wants revenge on Obi-Wan. Guess who's doing some hot shit on some hot planets right now? Obi-Wan Kenobi. He wants right. to put a stop to this. So them being uh, less than morally inclined people, they end up joining the Thousand Sons. Or uh-huh. not Thousand Sons. I'm thinking Warhammer here now. Sorry. <laughs> Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn. They end up joining up with Crimson Dawn. Um, this is uh, like a really nasty gang in the empire as we kind of get to see in the han solo movie of right. some nefarious types that have a lot of political uh pull and a lot of sway with a lot of people come to find out at the head of it it's none other than darth maul interesting yeah but the, 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 this big player is referenced uh, by the crimson dawn throughout the whole movie and it's at the very end when han solo's love interest throughout uh betrays him by uh, she, she, she 
the whole time through the movie, I'm thinking this this girl's gonna get iced. Right. I'm like, oh, this is what's gonna be sending Han Solo on. She's gonna get murdered. And Woody Harrelson says it a few times throughout the movie. He's like, everyone you love's gonna betray you, boy. Um, turns out he was the one who did the betraying. <laughs> Go figure. Who Han Solo? No, uh, Beckett what... was Woody Harrelson's name. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, or his character's name. Um, so at the very end, Daenerys Targaryen's like, go out, Han. It's okay. I'll be right behind you. We're going to help these at uh, the beginning of a rebellion. Right. Um, so instead of following after Han Solo and blowing up this this gang ship, she calls up on the hologram none other than Darth, Darth Maul and takes the leader of the crime gang, whom she just murdered, takes his place. Oh. Yeah. So do you think that introduce reintroducing Darth Maul do you think that was a move in which they're going to make like sequels like prequel sequels to the Han Solo movie or do you think Darth Maul is going to be like a player in episode 9 I think either Darth Maul or something to do with him is going to be a player in episode 9 or it's going to have something to do with Snoke uh, they're they're going to they're going to make some connections and build some bridges somehow yeah they're... you think they're going to bring Snoke back you I don't do. think he's dead no right? I don't I don't I don't. I'm sorry. If Luke Skywalker can pull that, I'm going to get blown up by laser fire shtick and still be alive. Right. I'm sure Snoke could do twice as better and make mm. himself actually look sawed in half. Because guess what? That was a sign right there. Guess who else got sawed in half and turned out to be still alive? <laughs> Darth Maul. Guess who got sawed in half in the most recent movie and might still be alive? Snoke. You betcha. Interesting. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. See, but that's my point. I just don't feel like <laughs> I just don't feel like Disney is intelligent enough to like make moves like that. I think it's going to become very like elementary almost mm. with how they play off the story. And they brought J.J. Abrams back to do the last one, yeah. and I could see him, and he was really good at fan service on that episode seven. Yeah. So I'm really just I don't know. I just don't think it's. I, I'm on the side of it's going to be shit, and I think everybody's going to think it's shit. Well, we're going to find out. I'm curious to see Solo, though, because I've heard you're the only person I know who said that they've really liked it. If you like Star Wars and you like heist movies, uh-huh. uh, movies with good laughs, and okay, uh, the, the best movie I can equate it to is Thor Ragnarok as far as its, its mood um, except for Thor Ragnarok, never gets serious, rarely gets serious. Right. And it's like serious for a few seconds and then goes back to being all action-y. There are some very serious moments in uh, Solo. Some okay. some major, like, thought-provoking moments in there, which I'm not used to in Star Wars movies. I'm not I'm used to just laser blast. Let's blast these guys. Let's go over here shoot the lads. Run! Don't blow it up! <laughs> Boom! That's the Star Wars I like. Right. Um, so they're getting more cerebral with, with these Star Wars movies, I feel like. Okay. Uh, they're, they're, they're making people do things like this talk about and analyze the movies we're, we're right. out there uh, subconsciously plugging this stuff right, right. now yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean we're, we're opening up the floor to to conversation about what it could potentially be that's okay. i feel like was the point get people talking get it on your lips right spread it around so okay in a manner of speaking <laughs> okay well i mean i've like i said i haven't seen solo um i wasn't a big fan of rogue one but i mean all solos on netflix i mean it's free yeah you might as well just watch it yep that's what i waited you for know. So uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I believe episode nine comes out December this year. Right? Is it? I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think because I think they do one every year, right? So they do. They did seven, then Rogue One, then eight, then Solo, and I think this year is nine. And then afterwards, I think they're doing uh, either Boba Fett or an Obi Wan movie, something. like I think Obi Wan took the uh, the the lead on the patch chart there. I think they're they're putting the Mandalorian one back on the back burner, which sucks because it it could tie into the Darth Maul series. Yeah. Again. 
Well, we'll see. I mean, Disney puts out good content, you know, maybe their biggest folly here is them trying to continue on with content that's already there. So I, I think that when they do their own trilogy, I think that's going to be the thing that does the best. I can see that. Yeah. But, but let's, let's not make this uh, a Star Wars podcast. Yeah. At no, least no, not, no. At least not today. So, Although I definitely having this conversation, I, I definitely think after the ninth one comes out and you and I see it, I think we we're going to have to have one. A we're going to have episode. to just, just from episode one through current, <laughs> just, uh, it, it might be two and a half hours. It might be a whole day, ladies and gentlemen, but we're going to do a Star Wars one. We're, most definitely. We will definitely have to do that that so let me ask you adam because you got to listen to me go on this super long diatribe about star wars which right. you personally have heard many times yes. but some new, some new key points some new key talking yes, points yes yes of but course you know you've known for years my positions on the star wars and, mm-hmm. and on the star wars and the universes and the doll so why don't you regale me with a star war or not star wars i hit star wars <laughs> star wars yeah a sci-fi universe that you yourself know inside out and the, the fine people at home who may not know okay so i don't think i know any one series at least not live action as inside out as like you know star wars for example okay then uh, then let, but let's, let's well no 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 but but like but i do have ones that i know a lot about and have strong opinions about real quick are you more fantasy or are you more sci-fi because there's there is kind of a difference i i, I lump them all into sci-fi but right. there's like fantasy and then there's the futuristic probably more fantasy more fantasy but so, i don't like medieval fantasy though okay so that's like that's one thing where i like draw the line oh, then do so, please elaborate. so i did enjoy like lord of the rings right you know i like at least the movies i never read the books but i did enjoy the movies and that was kind of as medieval as i would get oh, okay with that okay. kind of world you know there yeah. was it was medieval but there was enough fantasy-esque stuff <laughs> to kind of take you out of there right okay I understand. whereas like i would argue game of thrones is a little too medieval-y for me hmm i can see that okay. yeah so okay. that's kind of where I, as far as that goes but fantasy as far as like Harry Potter, I'm definitely – the way you're a Star Wars fan is the way I'm a ah, Harry yes. Potter fan. Ladies and gentlemen, this is truth. I, Adam Adam Hansen has we, – we've spent so many nights talking about various Harry Potter theories. And one <laughs> of the things I love about Harry Potter myself – sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, but go for it. When people make these fan theories about mm-hmm. different things in their favorite uh, series, yeah. a lot of times they have to stretch really mm-hmm. far from the source material. Or even in some cases, just overly speculate. Yeah. You don't have to do that with the Harry Potter series. You you don't have to stretch from the source yeah. material for a lot of... And J.K. Rowling herself has seen some of these and been like, yeah, no, I didn't even realize that. Good on you, people. Oh, so. yeah. Well, and there was one particular that I listened to or that I read that actually kind of gave me chills when I read it. Okay. And it wasn't a theory. It was just somebody's opinion of how cool it would be if the book ended this way or the series ended this way, right? And alternate ending. Alternate ending, exactly. And if anybody out there who's a Harry Potter fan and listening to this, I, I think you'll really enjoy this also. But the story was the the theory or the story, alternate story that this person had written up, what goes back to the what's the word I'm looking for? The uh it's like a prediction. A uh they had like a crystal ball and there was a prediction in there. That uh, somebody like made premonition or a prophecy or prophecy. prophecy. That was the word. Ah, that was the word. Okay. So there was this prophecy that they found in the fifth book that basically told Harry Potter that uh, 
neither could live while the other survives. Yes. So it basically told Harry Potter that that eventually one of you are going to end up killing the other person. Like being Harry Potter and Lord Voldemort. Yeah, I right? Yeah. So... So this uh, story is this person taking this prophecy and just interpreting it differently. So he goes, what if the prophecy was actually more literal to where what it was really saying is that the only way that Harry Potter could die is by the hand of Lord Voldemort and vice versa. So they had this alternate story of, so now let's say this happens at the end. Harry makes the ultimate sacrifice and kills Voldemort and now that he can never die, right? So he has to live and watch his friends die, his you know his family die, watch the people go through the years as Harry just naturally grows older and never dies, and then he can never be reunited with his mom and dad. That's and the rest of his family like Sirius Black and everyone who died. So it's the ultimate sacrifice, and he is forever the boy who lived. Oh my God! Yeah. Like, you can't see it on this podcast, but my mind is blown. Yeah, dude, I thought it was really a really cool way to interpret it. And how cool if it, like, ended that way. Like, what a bittersweet ending. It's the ultimate sacrifice, right? The whole thing is he misses his parents. He mi- he keeps having these friends die and everything, and he could never be reunited with them. That's dark as fuck, dude. It is dark as fuck. Oh, man. You know? Harry Potter is written by Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> but Harry Potter is definitely... Now, when I was younger, I definitely went through a huge Star Wars phase where Star Wars was definitely like my cup of tea. That's what, you know, I played with the lightsaber, everything, right? <laughs> um, I probably knew... I could probably talk about it as in-depth as you can talk about it now with a lot of the recent stuff. But Harry Potter is something that, like, I always tried to keep up with. J.K. Rowling still on, like, her Pottermore site always puts up new things about <laughs> the characters and the worlds. And she's she's the one who writes the movies for the new uh, saga that's out, you know, the Fantastic Beast saga. With how well those movies do, I'm glad she's getting uh, – I'm glad she's at least getting that that much to be able to write the movies because – Man, that uh, from the first movie they did from the the main story arc of Harry Potter, uh-huh. not seeing Peeves really pissed me off. Yeah, I did not like that that editing choice. And I'm and sure she did neither because she kept Peeves and all the rest of the books. Yeah, well, th- and there were there were a lot of things like that. I mean, the, the some of the books, especially when you get into like the last four books, four, five, six, and seven, they're they're such thick books, volumes. I yeah. mean, they still had to even in ep in uh, episode seven. It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter uh, episode. Harry Potter: The Deathly Hollows. With episode seven. When they made the movie, they had to split it up into two parts. And yeah. They still cut shit out of it. Yep. You know, it's so. I mean, but but Harry Potter is definitely my big one. Um, and then as far as like other fantasy things, like the, the, I like a lot of, that's why I like a lot of anime, right? Cause a lot of it, I think is able to kind of mix the fantasy and the sci-fi together really well. Yeah. Like uh, the final fantasy games are a perfect solution, right? You know, it's kind of got a little bit of kind of a medieval feel, but it's all very like contemporary futuristic okay. medieval, See, you know? I like, I like that aesthetic. I like that sort of feudal, um, that feudal governmental system, yeah, kind of like a blade, kind of and... like a Blade Runner kind of, yeah, you know, or like life, a or Dune a fi- or Fifth Element. You or, know, uh, have you have you ever read or seen any of the Dune? No, stuff? but you've told me a lot about oh, it. Yeah. If you if you anybody at home has is looking for a good crossover of both sci-fi and fantasy, 
check out Dune if you haven't mm-hmm. already. Great book. Um, start with the Frank Herbert ones, and if you if you like it, there's a bunch more written by his son. They're pretty good, but none of them top the first one. Yeah. And it's unfortunately never been successfully made or adapted. Mm-hmm. I think if the people who did Game of Thrones did, did Dune, Dune the fir- just the first one, whoo, they could make a killing. I, I believe I really that. Do. I really do. See, and I like and I like uh, sci-fi stuff like that too. Uh, one one of the movies that I really like, the movie sagas that I'm really into, is the Alien franchise. Oh yes, I love yes. I love the Alien movies. Okay, so what is your opinion on um, the Prometheus and Alien Covenant movies? I want to hear. I want to hear all. Okay, about so I loved Prometheus. Okay, me too. I thought I thought <laughs> Prometheus was fantastic. Now I've talked to a few Alien fans that had whatever issues with Prometheus, but every time I heard any issues, it was very like petty shit. Like okay. so petty, I don't even remember what the complaints were. <laughs> but I don't like the CGI. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stupid shit like that. But no, I loved it. I loved how you kind of got to see the birth of like how the aliens actually came to be, yeah. and they came from these like godlike ent- beings that supposedly created us. And there was kind of this underlying thing of you know we became a virus, and I. I Oh, no, it was just such a fantastic movie. I thought it was a great prequel, and that I really appreciated that it was directed and written by Ridley Scott. You could tell too. who did the original yeah, one, right? You could definitely tell. Now, Alien Covenant. Have you seen Alien Covenant? I Vincent? have not, but you can go ahead and blow it out of okay. the water for me. I'll still probably watch it. So but. I had a lot of issues with Alien Covenant. I. First of all, it dragged. I enjoyed it at its core, and I see what Ridley Scott is kind of trying to do with these prequel movies, mm-hmm. because the first one was about... I'm trying to think of a good way to word this. The first one was almost like about creation, right? Yeah. And I would argue that Covenant was about understanding that creation. So it's kind of like marking, like stepping you through these periods... It was it was weird. So to kind of set it up here, there was uh, you have these people on this ship that are going to colonize a planet. That's their whole thing. There's a bunch of couples, you know, and they're all there to go colonize and repopulate a planet, basically. And as there's a fire, somebody dies. They're all heartbroken. The hierarchy is mixed up now because it was the captain who died. So all of a sudden there's this planet that they never noticed before. And they're like, oh, let's go here. Like, it look, it looks, it has everything that we need, and it's much closer. Let's not scan for yeah. anything. Let's just gung-ho right. over the next planet well, we and see. They, they did scan for it, but the thing was, this planet didn't show up on their radar. So, but bing, because, bing, bing, first yeah. red flag. <laughs> so because of everything that was happening on this ship, they were like, okay, well, we want to land early, right? Yeah. Everybody's just freaked out now. So they go and land on this ship, on this ship, on this planet, and... What is a planet but a big ship? But a big I mean, ship. Right. And it basically looks like Earth, but the one caveat is one of the mentions in there. They're like, do you hear that? And the guy goes, no, nothing. You go, exactly. No birds, no animals. Like, there's no sound. There's just plants, you know, and water and shit yeah. like that. But there's yeah. no life. And they, you find out later that, remember at the end of Prometheus, uh, Shaw... Dr. Shaw was like, I want to go where they, where they're from. Yes, they're planning. Yeah. He's like, all right. The last scene is the spaceship taking off. Yep. Well, this is that planet. So that's where they are now. But 
all you see is a bunch of like bodies, like carcasses of these things everywhere. Okay. And you find David from the first one. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they find him, right? But they're all running away from these like quote unquote aliens, but they're not really aliens yet. They like are this weird, like white, they look like sperms with arms and legs. Oh, brutal. And they have like, they have these like mouths, these like circular mouths that will open and close. (laughs) But they're super fast and they're just fucking killing everybody. Right. Okay. And so they find David and David's basically been doing research into what these are. He has eggs, these alien eggs going on. He befriends them, but you know, he's David. He's not really befriending them. Wasn't he just a fucking head at the end of the first one? Yeah, he was just ahead, and then remember, Shaw was like, "I'll fucking help you." They're, they go into it. That's I, and I'm probably botching this description of the no, movie. It still sounds pretty compelling, but I mean, like to me, it sounds compelling. I know, I know, you didn't well, enjoy it that the much. First, the first, the watch through of it, I did find it enjoying. But like, I can go back and watch Prometheus over and over again. I can't do that with Alien Covenant. Oh, uh, okay. So. There, but there's another David android with these people on this ship. Also, it's just a newer version, so it's still Michael Fassbender. It's yeah, of just course. you have you know, marketable the, face. Like, yeah, the asses in the seats, ladies and gentlemen. That's how Hollywood works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and there's this whole like, like five, like five to ten minute scene, which is a long time when you're watching a movie, of them having this interaction with each other, where David is trying to show this. This newer version of David, he has a different name, but I can't think of it. Davey! Davey, yeah. (laughs) Of how to, like, play a recorder like a flute. And he's trying to show this android that that even though you're a robot, you can still create. And that's kind of this whole thing. So David looks at these aliens as, like, his babies. And he's creating this, like, life form. And he has, like, science he's done about it. He wants to be God. He's trying to play God. And it does flashbacks to when he was created. And he even asked his creator, uh, Wayland, from the first one. He asked – the film opens with him asking the question. He goes, the only question I have is if God created you and uh, you created me, then who's my God? Or some some like profound question like that. So the whole thing has to do with just about this Andrew trying to play God, and then you slowly watch the evolution of these aliens as they just start killing more people. And okay. I don't know. Like like I said, it just became the ending was kind of cool because they kind of went back to the roots of the first Alien movie where it was just like here's an alien on board, we have to like escape it. Yeah. And that was kind of the finale of it. It was kind of that homage almost to like the original ones. But I don't know. It just it just could have been a lot better in my mind. Like I said, I think I botched the description of it pretty hard. But now you you still made it sound compelling. So something I'd I'd give a watch to. Um, Please I, give I really, it a watch. I, I think really you'll... enjoyed Prometheus. So mm-hmm. I, I yeah I'm I'm gonna check out Alien Covenant then. Okay. Like I said, I I I did enjoy it the first time around, and I think I've watched it a couple times. But like there are just parts that drag. Like the part I was saying where it's the one android trying to teach the other android how to do something, and like trying to teach him that he can create. <laughs> Like, the first time you're watching, you're like, okay, okay. And then second time on, you're just like, oh, this is taking forever. Get to the murder part. Yeah, we're spending five minutes watching him teach him how to play a fucking flute. Like, Jesus. We spent the the first five minutes of Prometheus kind of watching David learn how to be a, you know, 
a thing basically had to be a human yeah so. but that was different because that was an introduction to a character the whole point of that is you're going ooh, who's this and then through that little five minute montage you learn who he is we knew who david was at this and this new android we already had an introduction with him anyway yeah so here are two characters you already know and there's just this pointless scene that you know, the scene was important. It just didn't need to be played out as long as it was. And I think that's how a lot of the scenes were oh, okay. in the okay. movie. Whereas like, and then like, for example, you know, the, the whole, they do flashbacks of like when they first landed on the planet and what they found and stuff like that. But I was, I was hoping for an exact continuation of like, okay, Shaw and David's head are on this planet now. <laughs> like hilarity ensues. I don't know. <laughs> like Shaw and a, Shaw and a, a football head running around a, an alien planet amongst giant corn. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, but I do enjoy that franchise. If they came out with another one, I would see it in a heartbeat. I've enjoyed okay. all the games they've come out. I used to play Alien vs. Predator on computer when I was younger, religiously. I am just impressed with how much of a universe, uh, a movie as simple as the first Alien, ended up spurning out. Yeah. Kind of churning out in the works. Uh, I mean, granted, not all of the Alien sequels were that great. Mm-hmm. But the fact is they now have a mythos to them. Yeah. They, they have an entire universe of characters based around and centralized around this one oh, yeah. main story. That just started off as aliens on the ship, like the, <laughs> the 1980s equivalent of snakes on a plane. Yeah, exactly. It was aliens yeah. on a ship. So. Well, it wasn't even aliens. It was one alien. alien. It was a single. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but they, uh, what I really that's what it like really got me into it was I actually really got into the anatomy of the alien itself, especially when I started playing the alien versus predator games on computer, because you could choose. That was when I found out, Oh, there was different breed of alien depending on what the, the eggs, what body the egg is laid in. So like, and you saw that a little bit in like, if you watched alien three, you had this like Tanner alien that could run really fast. And that's because it was born from a dog. They also had a, uh, what I remember being like a gorilla alien, like just a big beefy son of a bitch alien. Yeah. Big nasty bastard. And then they had the queen. Mm-hmm. Um, you find out they're, you know, they're, they're like insects in that manner. They, they all come from a centrifugal, you know, uh, a maternal source, a queen, so to speak. Right. You, but you get, to, you get a little more information on their biology and their, their well, biological yeah. hierarchy. Well, and then you find out that the alien that they become is just based off of who they hatch out of. So that's why. Oh, like, really? Yeah. So that's what I was saying. Oh, so like in shit. Alien 3, that's why the alien looked different from the other ones because it was this tanner, smaller alien that could run really fast because it was born from a dog oh, and came out of a dog. So it, <laughs> so it switched its anatomy around a little bit. It's the reason why in like the Alien versus Predator movies, they birth the Predalien. Oh, yeah. Because that's what happens when an alien is born from the body of a predator. That's so, such a stupid name. They should have just gone with like, I don't know, Predator Xenomorph or something like that. Xenomorph hybrid. Or, well, nah. I guess they're all hybrids. They had to give but... it a name. But, you know, so it kind of, so I got really into that kind of stuff and that got me really into the series. And then plus the original trilogy birthed a lot of big name directors. So the first alien I'm giving was... giving a, a very suspicious look to Adam right now because <laughs> I can't think of a single one. So. Okay, so the first movie was Ridley Scott. His first, oh, his, yeah. his first movie period ever at that, or not period, his first movie at that big point. Big piece, yeah. yeah. And uh, so that launched his career. Aliens launched James Cameron's career. That was his movie. No shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And then Alien 3 was David Fincher's first movie. Really? So, And for those out there who don't know, David Fincher did Fight Club and The Social Network, Gone yeah. Girl, uh, The yeah. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And then you actually the fourth one a little bit also, but this guy's career was already like, I think, established at that point. It was the guy who directed The Fifth Element. Oh, okay. And see, that's that guy. I I love the fifth element, but that same guy also directed, um, uh, what was it? Valerian. Valerian. Yeah. I went and saw that movie and let me tell you what, I, I was lost most of the time. I, I I barely remember this movie. I I got a wild hair up my ass one night and, uh, I decided I was going to go see this movie finally. So I go to the theater, I buy my ticket, I go in, I get my popcorn, I sit down and I am met with the weirdest cluster fucking mess of just sci-fi nonsense I've ever seen yeah. in my life. So I am somebody, as you know, Vince, who I am very critical with movies and how they play off movies and how real the realism that's in a movie, right? Yeah. Realism means a lot to me, even in a fantasy movie or sci-fi. Yeah. Suspend disbelief. Exactly. So when I watched Valerian the first like within the first 10 minutes when they were doing the thing where they were running around the desert that shop was so that don't even, okay, okay okay that was yep, yep okay so yes. the second i saw that and how the dynamics of this quote unquote world worked that was when i knew at that point i was like okay in order to enjoy this movie I just have to suspend my disbelief yeah. of all that shit. Because I right then and then I knew. I was like, okay, there's going to be a lot of shit that's going to bother me at this. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what happened, boy. The rest of that movie bothered the hell out of me. I, I, yeah. I, I was there for the first 20 minutes or so. Uh-huh. Like, especially with that opening scene where he's like, okay, he's a little playboy captain. Mm-hmm. And then he walks into like this this military boardroom and you've got fat neck Clive Owen, you got a bunch of fat neck military officers of this, yeah. this galactic federation. And then his scrawny little ass walks in <laughs> and he just happens to be swimming with the big boys and it doesn't show for the rest of the movie. Why he, why or how he earned that title. Well, the thing <laughs> is through the rest of the movie too, it wasn't him like, it wasn't like we have an impossible mission and there's only one person who can do it. Valerian. Yeah. It wasn't like that. It was like, all right, Valerian's on his own again. Like somebody go get him. Yep. <laughs> that was the whole movie. Yep. <laughs> and one of the biggest problems I had with that movie aside from the desert, cause that, that, that spawns like 12 problems. Uh, really quick. Let's let's cause I don't think Valerian's as well known. So let's explain what the scene is that we're complaining okay. about. So the, the, this desert scene that we keep referencing, um, Valerian and his little lady friend have to go to this planet that is, Man, how do you explain this it's thing like, in words? It's like you the, literally have to wear a VR headset in order to experience this multi-tiered uh, sci-fi realm, which without this headgear just appears to be uh, empty desert. Because it's in another dimension. So this VR which thing you allows are you able to physically access, run around without your physical body somehow ever leaving the desert. But guess what? You can bring stuff back through. You can't bring stuff in. But you can bring stuff back through. Tell me how that works. I don't know. Yeah. So they have these little boxes that they put on your hand with the headset to where just that you can like, as you go through, you can interact with this like fourth dimension world and like buy things from this giant, it's a giant marketplace and yeah. like this other dimension, right? It's like an interdimensional, like a parallel dimension thing, like yeah. a, like a, like a mall, but in another dimension, it's, it's trite and un- unneeded. So, but here's where it gets 
just where you have to suspend disbelief because there's a chase scene where this gentleman who's, whose body is existing on the flat desert plain, but his, but his mind through this headset is interacting, you know, can see everything from this dimension. Yeah. So he was doing things in this other dimension, like jumping over boxes and having to open doors and walk in and stuff. But he's meanwhile, his actual body <laughs> is in a dimension where none of that is there. Yes. So he, essentially, he should just be able to walk through buildings in this other third dimension, this parallel dimension. Well, you remember also this parallel or dimension. Or not even be able to jump on boxes and shit. And, and somehow suffering bodily damage. And the way to get through back, stuff back through this dimension, you have to kind of go through like a customs yeah. sort of thing with it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's insane. Um, it's a movie that if if you want to watch it on drugs or drunk or high or something, do it. You'll probably enjoy it more. I unfortunately had to sit there through it balls sober. It's, it's so. a very pretty movie. Oh, the the you opening know? sequence. The opening sequence was what sat me in the chair until uh, I, th- I think I, I got out at about halfway. But yeah. I hit the halfway point before I was done. Um so the opening opening sequence is this beautiful alien planet with these these really beautiful tall aliens walking around this island tropical paradise. Right. And they have just these little pearls that sort of flow like wine through this planet. Yeah. And they oh life is pearls. We're on beaches. We're awesome. And then the fucking planet just starts getting fucking bombarded with just fire and hell shit. And they're running. They're like oh my god. It goes from the most peaceful serene scene you've ever seen to just fucking Armageddon. And it's <laughs> It's like, whoa, why is this happening? Come to find out, the fucking pearls. <laughs> the fucking yep. pearls the whole time. Yep. Yeah, that was when it's... I got up and I left. I was like, nah. Eat... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, you know what? That, that Speaking of Valerian, that got me thinking. I don't, aside from maybe the Star Wars movies, I don't feel like we've actually had like a, a solid, decent sci-fi film come out anytime recently firefly fans and serenity fans would disagree with you and i disagree with them as so. wait, wait wait what's happened with firefly and serenity uh, people people think that that but is that's a been movie. gone for years though right? oh you're talking about like i'm recently. talking about recent. recently like, okay I, I feel honestly like uh sci-fi's kind of dropped off a little bit really has um well it's hard to, it's hard to make movies about sci-fi when you kind of live in sci-fi you know when you think of the kind of technology and stuff we have. Well, and that's just it. Is that those, you have to start getting into like quantum mechanics in movies now, or, or even more advanced scientific notions. Like a lot of what we have, there, there's so many documentaries on just this. Excuse me, I had to burp silently. So many documentaries out there about how um, sci-fi has shaped technology the way we have it today. Right. And we've sort of hit a point, like you said, where. We're not really thinking of anything new or mind-blowing in these movies to kind of model our technology off of. So we've hit sort of a, a almost a point of stagnation. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I feel like there's still more to do as far as science fiction technology that mm-hmm. they haven't covered. And that's like living biosystems. Yeah. Like, okay, uh, perfect example. Um, so as you know, some people know, some people listening to this might not know, I'm a huge Warhammer 40k fan. Yeah. <laughs> One of the factions within uh, Warhammer are the Eldari, who are like the the space elves, essentially. Warhammer 40k is a board game, by the way. It's guys. a board game. It's a book series. It's a card game. It's it's pretty much everything. It's they have video games of it. It's yeah. it's a huge expanse of a universe in and of itself. Um, so one of the, one of the races in there, the Eldari live on what are called craft worlds, which in a nutshell are living ships. 
right. in space. That They breathe, they have circulation, but they are also powered by the souls of their dead. Right. Um, see, each of the Eldari wear on their, uh, like on their chest, uh, similar to a soul stone, when they die, their souls are trapped in the stone so that they can be returned to the craft world to power the ship forever. Right. I think that's fucking ingenious. Yeah. That That is an incredibly efficient and, like, economic way to do shit. Uh-huh. Instead of destroying a planet to mine for a material to build a spaceship, build an organism that can act as such. Right. Like, yeah. that's wild, man. See, and I, I agree with you. So I think that's – we need to start getting more into that kind of stuff, right? Very much. And I think what we need to start doing also is visiting, like – like dimension kind of stuff a little more like movies like Valerian was kind of on the right path. Interstellar nailed it with oh, when they got into yes. like interdimensional stuff. And I think we need to see more of that because that's, I think where real life is getting anyway, Yeah, you know, where we're, that's all starting to become more legit things that we're all talking about and doing. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just think that's what I want to see more. People don't want, you know, your typical, the sci-fi shit that you got back in the 80s and 90s. You know, people don't want that anymore. People want, like, real profound shit that's really going to make you think. Again, if you want a good fan theory, don't stray far from the source material. Yeah. That's what um, that's what Interstellar did. Yeah. Interstellar pulled from real-world science and applied Christopher it. Christopher Nolan movie, by the way, guys. Great fucking movie. I didn't like Matthew McConaughey much until I saw this movie. Yeah. I, that movie made me oh, like him a little more. Oh, he did fantastic in it, dude. Um, I, had to, I had to go back and watch some ones that I might have missed. And I actually found another Matthew McConaughey movie that a lot of it flew under a lot of people's radar. Mud? No. Oh, which one? Uh, Frailty. Frailty? Frailty. Is that an older one? Yeah. Oh. So it was an early 2000s movie. Okay. Um, Matthew McConaughey plays a gentleman who walks into a police station one night while the only last person left is like the, the, the station captain. Okay. And he wants to confess to a series of murders that have been spanning over decades. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. FBI. My bad. Okay. Wait, Matthew McConaughey No, no. Matthew, to... no, no he, he's, I'm pretty sure it's either like a cop or FBI or something. But he's talking, he's talking to a law enforcement agent. We'll go with that. Okay. So throughout the movie, he's telling the story um, from the perspective of his childhood how his dad one day from a family in Indiana or some, you know, Midwest state, uh, low income. It was just the dad and, uh, the two, two boys, uh, Matthew McConaughey and his brother. Um, the dad was an auto mechanic or something along those lines. Um, one day received vision from the archangel, uh, Michael, if I'm not mistaken, either Michael or Gabriel. Interesting. And with this message was given a list of people to murder. Because they were demons. Wait, Matthew was given the list. No, no. Matthew McConaughey's dad was given this okay. list. Well, was given these visions by the angel and told that these people were demons and he had to abduct them and kill them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Go on. So he, he's he's going through the years, the story of how, you know, they, they built the shed. His older brother was, of course, um, the one who was sort of like, hey, he was the older one. You know, he was like, hey, let's not, you know, go murdering people. Dad. <laughs> right. Maybe you want to sit down and talk to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Bill Paxton, who plays the dad. Phenomenal actor, uh-huh. Bill Paxton yeah. was. Um, honestly, at his best in this movie, he he was perfect. Um, it goes from a dad who who takes care of his his sons and loves them and shows them affection to being this dad who's like, if you believe in God and you believe what I'm saying, you'll kill this person. Basically, Ooh. like I am now commanded by these voices, and you will do what they say. It's it's an incredible, incredible fucking movie. What year did this come out? Uh, I want to say 2003, 2004. 
It flew under the radar, man. It was a great movie. And I don't know why it flew under the radar, but it did. And what's it called? Frailty. Frailty is on Netflix? It used to be. I don't know if it still is. Okay. I'll have to check that out because I really I think like I might that have kind of it. stuff. I'll have to check my box out in my garage, but I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure I still have it. Oh, See, there's so many movies out there that I think go under the radar like that. Or not even, it's not even so much under the radar. It's not even that people don't know about it. It's that people just don't want to watch it because it's not the same Hollywood bullshit that they, you know, that they feed us. It's not the formulaic crap. I mean, yeah. I mean, one movie, and I, I know you haven't seen it yet, and you really need to fucking watch this movie, <laughs> Vince, is Mother. Oh yeah, that's yeah, the one I, I keep telling I you. you I know, have to watch it. I know, I know, I know. You're gonna love it. But that's what—that's a perfect example of one of those movies where it's like I did not understand why it did not get more praise. It's a Darren Aronofsky than it movie. Did. That's why. Oh my god! It didn't get as much coverage and probably as much advertising as they well, needed it to. But I don't understand that either because. Black Swan or the wrestler won best picture when it, it came did. out and it Black did. Swan was nominated for not only best picture, but a lot of different things. I feel like with the wrestler, they took a big gamble in Mickey Rourke. They really did. And yeah. he ended up churning them out of, you know, a fucking Oscar, which right. was great. Um, he gave a great performance in that movie, but I, I feel like that was a gamble. This, this is Mickey Rourke. This is, yeah. uh, uh, Marlboro could've man, and Harley way. Davidson. Like, yeah, yeah. it could have gone. Yeah, exactly. It could have gone either way. And I feel like they, they struck some sort of unknown gold mine with that one. We were, it's funny. We were just talking about Darren Aronofsky earlier today with some friends and I, he's easily my favorite director, man. Easy, yeah, for for those out there who I I feel like you probably <laughs> have seen his movies. So Requiem for a Dream, Noah, Black Swan, The Wrestler, Mother, The Fountain, Nymphomaniac, which is on Netflix in two parts. If you've never seen it, great movie, great uh, not, movie. Not Darren Aronofsky though. Oh, that wasn't Darren Aronofsky. That was that seemed like an Aronofsky movie. No, that one is. Oh, oh, oh Lars or Hans. Lars von Trier. Lars von Trier. That's right. That was yep, a Lars von Trier film. Okay. Oh, his movies are fantastic yeah. too. I always oh get those two confused. Word. So, did you did you ever go back and watch uh, the Lars von Trier movie Melancholia? That had uh, Kristen Dunst in it, and uh, the who's the twenty four no, guy? My, my wife told me about it. She 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 watched. She loved it. She told me all about it. It does sound like a really interesting plot. It was a very interesting plot. It has the girl from Nymphomaniac in there also. Oh. She plays like the mother. And who's who's the 24 guy? The guy from the show 24? Oh, that's uh, uh, Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland. Sutherland. Ah, Kiefer jinx. Sutherland. Gotcha. Gotcha, fucker. <laughs> well, okay, well, I can't talk for the rest of the podcast now. So. All right. Now it's my turn. My <laughs> microphone. Hot mic. Woo, let's go. <laughs> but no, that was uh, on the terms of sci-fi. That was a good one because that was almost like – not only was it it like barely fit the category of both science and fiction from what it yeah, sounded like yeah. yeah just barely fit the bill oh okay man. lars von Tr- <laughs> did you ever see his film antichrist yes with willem dafoe i did oh yeah <sighs> that was an uncomfortable watch that one is but i not... suppose that was the point like but that's what I appreciated about it, right? Because the whole thing was this like satanic ritual, right? That yeah. was taking place. And it really gave you the feel of like, if you were doing a satanic ritual and it really did work, this is probably how it would go down. <laughs> and oh, just as you said, so yeah. uncomfortable. The whole, But I, I don't know. For me, I have a tolerance to those sorts of things. If you've got an uneasy stomach or if you just don't like horror movies in general, well, or uncomfortable imagery, don't watch it. I was going Christ. to say, say it's not even 
the sense of it being a horror movie, but there is definitely uncomfortable imagery. But again, I feel like sure. it's, it is meant to be that way. Yes, every one hundred percent. Lars von Trier's movies are supposed to be—they're uh, supposed to evoke some sort of emotion. Yes, and he's very good at—he's good at utilizing the shock factor, but in a very artistic way, very tasteful way. Ta- yes. There you go. That's a like word for okay. It. My perfect example of that—that that tasteful vulgarity, we'll call it is in uh, Nymphomaniac when uh-huh. she's shoving the uh, spoons up her hoo-ha. Oh, yeah. They don't show her just cramming spoons in there. It's a very silent thing. And then it's ended by her standing up and just you just hear a rattle of clatter. Yeah. It was very it was so nasty, well, but it was so tastefully done. Well, and not, not only that, but the, Lars von Trier, because there's always been controversy that meets his movies. First of all, he's French. So the French, oh, what's, yeah. what's considered okay and not okay in movies is very different from a French standpoint. And that's just Lars von Trier. You watch any French movie, it's, they... They yeah, view things they, a little differently. Yeah. So I remember the first shock factor I got in Nymphomaniac was when she was talking about when she first dis, uh, discovered her vagina, right? And you saw this clip of like oh, a five-year-old yeah. girl, you know, like, do you remember they were like rubbing, like her and her friend were like rubbing yeah. on the like, it was just, it was weird, But you the know? thing is, as somebody who has two very small girls living in his house, <laughs> one's my daughter, one's my niece, um... Girls are weirdos like that. Exactly. Well, and that's that's why I would argue that even though it's weird subject matter, it's yeah. done tastefully because it's still something that's there to tell the story. Just whereas some directors don't show the imagery, this one decides to show the imagery. Yeah. It's he, he does some very good films, though. Very profound messages, too, in his films. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that about a lot of French directors. The way that series ended, it, it was a two-parter, but the way it ended was just... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've seen some good twists, but that was definitely up there. No, I, I agree. <laughs> and I, and I, that particular twist that you're talking about, I actually didn't like because that actually took me out of the movie. I wish really? they just cut that whole thing all together. Oh, no way. And man. what we're talking about, guys, is literally a five second scene, but I just think they should have got rid of that. Oh, no, no, I thought it was perfect. I thought it was perfect because, and that, that's one thing I liked about the movie was it, as much as it did go into some deep interpersonal, uh, um, conflict with the main character yeah it kept it real it didn't show you too much you know uh, too much non-realistic imagery it was it was a lot of things a lot of scenes that you could easily see happening in the real life well and they closed it with that too well and i i do agree to an extent but i think what what drew me in to this so the movie opens up with this nymphomaniac talking to somebody who considers themselves asexual right so they don't crave sex at all right that was the whole gimmick of the opening right and so this nymphomaniac tells this asexual man her story and this guy gives his <laughs> his opinion from a very unbiased point of view right well what i really appreciated about that gimmick was it was something very, it was something also, first of all, very contrasting, two very contrasting characters, because you had one that wants sex all the time and one that wants nothing to do with it. Or so he claims. And so he, <laughs> so he claims. If that gives you any indication of the five <laughs> seconds I'm talking about at the end here. But then all of a sudden you're you're getting this very like out of the ordinary. So that's what draws you in, right? Yeah. It's this the contrasting characters like, oh, this is interesting. And it gave her a reason to tell her story. So the second that they ended it with him basically trying to fuck her, I was like... <laughs> spoiler alert, yeah, by the way. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> I was just like, 
I was just like, okay, that just took it out for me because what drew me in was this cool relationship between a nymphomaniac and somebody who doesn't want it at all. And the second they got rid of that, it almost killed his character 100% for me from the last, from the two movies he was in. If I may, though, you know what you got to experience? Hmm. The frame of mind that every girl who's been in that situation has to. Ooh. That's what you got. You got to feel what that feels like. I never thought about it that way. You're welcome. Glad I could give you that perspective. No kid, you. Wow, you really did though. I, gee, woo, my mind's blown <laughs> here. No, and and it's true. Uh, like How you're many... you're right though. Like that's exactly the kind of emotion that it evoked. Is goddamn it? I way, thought I had found way, the one person. Way to go, fucking Lars von Trier. <laughs> I, I right? my, my respect for that man has <laughs> just climbed up you a couple notches. You felt an alien, uh, an alien notion that you weren't familiar with. I just gave it a word. I just gave it a categorization. Oh that my you could, word! You could get it I'm so sorry, ladies. <laughs> like God, we're such assholes, right? Interesting. Well, on that note, <laughs> I believe we have reached the end of our hour here today. Uh, I love having conversations with you, Vince. You're always, you're always I always so like to fun. end it on a high note. That's oh, man. Uh, <laughs> just, you just wait, Vince. So uh, one thing to let you guys all know out there is uh, Matthew and I are getting to a point that within the next couple of weeks, we should have two more microphones aside from this one. So a total of three microphones. So we're going to try having more episodes where there's three Ooh, people on. Group chat. Instead of, exactly. Instead <laughs> of just two. This is gonna so be good. it's going to be really exciting to ha- when the day comes when it can be me, you, and Matthew having this conversation. Uh, yeah, you know? I was about to say, I can't wait till we get Matt in here and we can get a we can get a third opinion because we, we've been talking at each yeah. other for years. Oh, yeah. We can still somehow sit down and do this. That's why I love this <laughs> it's man. It's so crazy, right? right? And it doesn't matter how long it's been. We can sit down after years and just be like, hey. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, we could we could talk for twenty four hours so, straight yeah. if we wanted. I can't wait to get Matt in here though and get uh, get another perspective because man, from the podcast that I've listened to with you guys, yeah, I, I've already I already know we've got some opinions that, that oh, I can't yeah. wait to get out there. So and yeah. it's and it'll be a good time, dude. And uh, my bedroom here, which has been converted to a studio, is getting more and more studio like every day. I just uh it looks good. You it guys. I have this queen size bed and some of you out there might be thinking, Oh, lucky Adam has a queen size bed. <laughs> it is literally the bane of my existence right now because it takes up so much fucking space in this bedroom. But I digress. I digress. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. I hope you uh, enjoyed having Vince on again and I assure you it won't be the last time he's on here. Uh, remember, you can check us out on all the social media platforms. If you, uh, and I would say, leave us a comment. Please tell us comment, please, please (laughs) and tell us what your favorite sci-fi movie was. Oh, and tell, tell us your favorite sci-fi fan theories of any of the movies we covered or any ones you think are compelling enough that we'll sit down and and talk about maybe on a future episode. Yes, please do guys. All right. Any final thoughts, Vince? Oh, you know, my final thoughts be excellent to one another, ladies and gentlemen. Glad that you guys could have me on, man. It's good to have you on as always, man. Thank you, always sir. appreciate it. All right, guys, have a lovely day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.